G'day everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire.、Um, it's our Friday wrap again, and、uh, we're talking about property once again this week. And、uh, John and I are obviously very, very excited as we always talk about property.、Um, and,、uh, you know, it's start of the month, so、uh, we will have some latest figures and updates for you. But before that, John, how are you doing? I'm good.、Um, well, David,、uh, yeah, I, I mean, you've got me on my favourite topic, right?、Uh, real estate prices across Australia. So I'm very excited to have this chat with you. I'm, I, thought I'm favorite, I thought your favourite topic is gold. Oh, well,、uh, I, <laughs> we can blend the two one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes, like、good. that evil villain from,、um, from the Austin Powers movie. God. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, but、uh, yeah, now that's、uh, I, I know I know you are you are a master of many, and property and gold <laughs> is just one of the one of those two、uh, that、um, uh, that that you're into.、Um, and、uh, yeah, as a, I guess you know,、um, it, it's something that is quite fascinating. And、uh, you know, John and I, I think we, we we're just chatting before we jump on.、Um, John's got some really interesting story about property and gold ratio, which we are going to do a.、Um, Dedicate an actual specific episode、uh, on that. Uh, and, and,、um, and I think that's going to give people a lot of perspectives in terms of what's currently really being undervalued or overvalued. As a matter of fact, you know,、um, using the table that John has developed,、um, we can see that a lot of the booms that's been happening in the capital cities in the last few months or last year, you can literally predict that to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go through this next week, but、yeah. just to tantalize our, our,、um, our listeners,、uh, I've got data that goes back to the 70s,、mm. uh, which prices each of the capital cities in gold and then also prices each of the capital city in the other capital cities. So you'll have like a Brisbane to Sydney ratio、mm. from the 70s. And it really gives you some long term perspectives about what's cheap and what's expensive. And we'll go through that next week. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Can't wait for it, mate. Can't wait for it. But before that, let's,、uh, let's have a look at the core <laughs> logic data,、um, which has、uh, just been released、uh, on the 1st of August. So, across the board, July,、um, you know, we're seeing pretty much a、uh, reduction or a decrease in terms of the housing price values, which is as expected, I've got to say,、uh, but they are accelerating at the moment. So, Sydney alone, if we look at breaking it down, Um, you know, that, that is looking at、uh, for houses in Sydney. We're looking at a 2.5% drop just in July month.、Um, units is a bit softening. Units is about 1.5% drop as well, but both are dropping,、um, interesting enough.、Um, same with Melbourne. Melbourne's houses dropping by minus 1.6%, and units also minus 1.2%. Now, Brisbane's an interesting one, I've got to say.、Um, Brisbane on The June, on the June month, I remember it was positive. I think it was positive 0.2 or 0.3%. However, when it comes to July, for houses, Brisbane houses actually dropped by minus 1.1%. So、mm. that's quite a big change, I've got to say. Units, however, still kind of hold up、uh, as a 0.7%. So those are the Eastern kind of capitals.、Um, Adelaide's still doing pretty well, but、uh, it has softened as well.、Uh, instead of a 2% or you know, 1.1 something percent, it's now a 0.3%. So it's starting to flatten as well.、Uh, but Adelaide units are holding up still pretty good,、uh, a 1.2% gain、uh, for, mm. the, for the June. So you know, looking at that, would you say it's, is, that, is that within your expectation, John? I guess these figures? Yeah, yeah. 
I, th- I think so. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Sydney guy, so I, I I'm more connected to that market. But if I look at the overall uh, statistics, um, all of the capital cities are down, ex- with the exception of three cities. Um, and the three cities that uh, clocked gains for July were Adelaide, Perth, and yeah. uh, Darwin. Um, and Darwin had the biggest gain, but Perth, Perth is essentially flat. So. Um, so the main, the, the two main cities uh, plus Brisbane, I suppose, are, are all down. This is the first month that Brisbane showed a decline as well. So, correct. Um, and um, we'll have something to say about that next week as well. But um, but Sydney is this is the biggest month of declines. Uh, so it's it's interesting. I, I think you're quite right in, in your in in this data set. The house to unit ratio is or the house to unit. Uh, distinction is actually quite important because because units didn't really boom last year. They went up, but they didn't boom, and houses really did boom. So now we're seeing kind of a, of a, a reversal of that. Uh, and, and even in, in Brisbane in particular, we're seeing houses come down and, and units go up, whereas in Sydney and Melbourne, everything's going down. It's just that units aren't going down quite as much. So, mm. yeah, re- really, really interesting uh, data set. Um, but... Yeah, we're starting to. I mean, this correction is well underway, and um, you know, Michael Yardney calls it, you know, the winter, which is which is a good way to look at it because I think when you look at um, markets that go up and down, you have to think about it in terms of seasons because this too will end. Um, so you need to be prepared for the spring and the summer and so on. Um, but yes, lot, lots, lot, lots of things moving, um, and what I think is ultimately happening is as interest rates go up our attention and our focus as real estate investors shifts to yield and to cash flow. So um, those big blocks with a, a two or three bedroom house on it that that had a two or one point eight percent yield in Sydney, they can't they they're unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So those sorts of properties are correcting. Whereas if you had a townhouse or a unit and you're getting nearly 4% yield, you don't need to sell that property or, or you can ride it through uh, with, with that. So you're never getting the, the capital growth and yeah. capital growth is what matters. But because you were getting cash flow out of that, it didn't it didn't matter. And I think that those yields are what's correcting at the moment. Yeah, no, that is a very important factor as we all see that in the last few months, right? The the uh, the cash rate's been going up uh, very fiercely every month, you know, uh, certainly a 0.5 percent, and that's being passed on to borrowers very very quickly. So, you know, um, all the mortgage rate has been going up, uh, and it's the repayments also jumped up quite a lot every month. Um, so moving forward, I do agree with you, John. I think people are going to struggle to hold onto a low yielding asset. Uh, unless obviously they are, they got lots of buffers and they can hold on to it. But I reckon most of the investors, when they're looking at things, they'll want to try to strike a balance between a cash load and the capital growth. Which means, um, you know, uh, houses at the moment. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It's it's just basically correcting from the highs that they had, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're talking about what a thirty percent increase in the last twelve months. That's that's not sustainable, uh, essentially, mm. and we and we're back to just like interest rate. The way I read it is that the house prices are coming back to a normal, normalized level, same as the interest rates also started to come back to a normalized level as well. Okay, yeah. so that's why houses are dropping a lot more. They had a lot more gain, and uh, yeah, they just basically try to uh, try to come back at the moment. So mm. yeah, look, there's all the the market is constantly delivering what we've discussed before which is re- reversion to the mean mm. so if, if sydney 
Brisbane, Melbourne, et cetera, house prices go up at 6 to 7% per year, and they go up a couple of years by, let's say, 20%, they need to come back, but they're still going to be higher than two or three years ago. They just need to come back to that 6% uh, growth rate. And don't forget the rent at the moment is also playing a big part because there's a rental crisis across the whole of Australia right now. So, you know, we've mentioned that, uh, you know, it's easy to see uh, $50 to $100 type of rental increases in certain areas. Um, vacancy rates are at all-time low as well and continues to be the case. Um, yeah, and um, so that means the yield is, you know, with prices coming back and the yields continue to go up, especially mm. in Sydney as well. Yeah. You know, we're talking about it's just going to make it more and more attractive for people to potentially look at coming back into Sydney in the next six to 12 months. Yeah. It includes home buyers and property investors. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a big part. And look, we as property investors tend to, uh, well, uh, property buyers, not so much uh, holders of property, but property buyers tend to ignore the rents. Mm. They want the, the capital values to go up. And there are periods where that's not going to happen. But if your rents are going up, that's, that's a positive. Um, I wanted to... Um, comment on the, the the scale of the price declines at the moment. So, for example, I think we said that Sydney and Melbourne are down about 2% each, Mel Sydney a bit more, Melbourne a bit less, and uh, Brisbane just a, about a percent. But it feels like property prices are falling a lot more than this. So I think top to toe so far, we're down about 6% in Sydney. But if you speak to insiders, they're going to say we're down about 15%, right? And, and that, that's probably more accurate. But the reason... The reason the data is capturing much smaller price declines is because, um, because in order for their, the data to capture a price decline, a transaction needs to happen. But actually what's happening is if sellers don't get their price, they're taking it off the market. And if you look at the, the clearance rates in the auction numbers, we're seeing a, a big spike in withdrawals. Now, that's not a good sign, of course, but it's still not a price fall. For some, for a price to fall, the price has a property has to sell, uh, and it can't be just expectations decline or or so on. Now, real estate is quite unique like this, um, and this is really important to understand that real estate is the only asset where, if a price isn't delivered, the stock comes off, as in, the supply goes down. Now, mm. if you own um, uh, pancake coin. The only way for a market crash to manifest is in lower prices. If you own BHP shares, unless BHP are buying their shares back, but the only way for a price crash to manifest in BHP shares is for the price to fall. Real estate's the only asset that's different because real estate crashes in a couple of different ways, a little bit in price, but a lot in supply. So the way real estate crashes is there's nothing to buy. And it's not all in the price. And that's why it feels like the price declines are bigger than the data reflects. But mm. part of the crash is happening in the chart of supply, which is which is steeply down as well. Yeah. And I think that certainly has something to do with uh, the, the and, and that relates to the clearance rate as well. Right. I think the clearance yep. rate started to show. Um, I think, can you touch on a bit about the clearance rates as well? Because I think the trend has started to come back up a little bit as well on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the clearance rates. Let me uh, let me just get to that. So uh, the clearance rate uh, actually popped up for the first time in in a little while since June. Actually, mm. so the clearance rates uh, overall was sixty two percent, and that is up from the prior month. Um, now, one month or one week isn't a isn't a, isn't a spring. So we want to we want to watch this data, but we're certainly at. Um, 
at very low kind of we're kind of approaching pandemic levels where uh, in the in the aftermath of the um, of the COVID lockdowns, the yep. clearance rates are in the sort of high 50s as well. So we're, we we went under 50% last week. We're back up to 62% clearance rates. This is sort of where real estate tends to bottom. Uh, anything below that and you just have, have people taking their properties off the market altogether. Mm. Uh, one thing I'd say as well is uh, for, that in, in the big, like, Melbourne's the auction market. It's the home of the auction. Um, and auction clearance rates don't really mean anything in Brisbane um, because it's not really an auction market in the same way that Melbourne is. But uh, as a rule of thumb, 70% is the line that that distinguishes a, pr- a market that's rising and a market that's falling. So yeah. at 62%, we are in a market that's falling. Yeah. yeah. Or potentially, as I say, that's more of a bias market. Yes. Right. Anything over seventy percent will be a seller's market, basically. Yep. And it depends on how high it goes. I think at the peak at the peak of last year during the absolute crazy year madness, it was close to ninety percent. And that was yeah, that's an right. absolute, absolute seller's market, right? So um but yeah, that's an interesting trend, I gotta say. Um so yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out on the um on the actual uh, clearance rate. Um the other thing is uh, I guess to to link it to your supply equation. Um, how many how how many properties are actually being put on the auction, and how many have withdrawn it as opposed to last week? I guess that's the that could be an indicator that we probably can use later on as well. I'm not expecting you to be able to take it off on, on top of your mind, John, at the moment, but uh, <laughs> I just thought that that could be something that uh, we could share with our listeners as yeah. well. Because um, yeah, that would be quite meaningful. As opposed to like, for example, a thousand auctions, which you know, three hundred withdrawn and then yeah. four hundred ended up selling. Or are we talking about six hundred overall auction with fifty percent of that being withdrawn and then you know only two hundred got sold? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it seems to, the, the the data I'm reading seems to 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 show that more properties are being withdrawn than passed yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason for that is that uh, real estate agents. Um, real estate agents will pull the uh, property off the market if they don't think they're going to sell it. Uh, and in a sense, they're, they're saying that these properties are for auction, but they have every intention of selling it for in, in a soft market like this. So there's, you know, you'll see the, the advertisements say for auction, but there's, there's no intention of going to auction, but they will sell it before. Yeah, yeah. I think that's always they always try to push it to see whether there's any opportunity to go to auction, right? To try to bid up the the actual price. But if there's no interest, then there's no point. So that's why they had to kind of withdraw last minute if no one else is really interested in that. Yeah. So, and look, as as buyers, we want we want properties to go to auction, right? Because we want the market to confirm, or we, you know, we want the, the market to confirm for the vendor that mm. their expectations are unrealistic. So, letting a, a property go to auction in this market is is a, not a bad strategy. It's worked for me quite recently, uh, but every property is different, of course. I have seen some some fairly good results in the inner west recently. Yeah, I think it's 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 property specific, um, yeah. essentially, right? Like whether that's using Michael Yanni's term, whether an A to A grade, B grade, mm-hmm. C grade, that type of stuff. You know, A grade I think is still holding up quite well, and you know the buyers can see that. Um, whereas the B grades and the C grades, uh, you know, used to do quite well during the peak of the FOMO, but uh, right now they, they're definitely losing a lot of steam at the moment. So, um, and I think that auction clearance rate also reflects the um, the gap between seller expectation and the buyer expectation at the moment. You know, like how much the seller would want it to sell, 
as opposed to what the buyer is willing to pay in today's price. Mm. And don't forget, a big equation of that at the moment is their borrowing capacity, because if the buyer cannot borrow as much as they could previously, let's say three months ago, well, logically speaking, sorry, I can't make that price because I, you know, I don't have enough borrowing capacity to be able to achieve that. Um, and it might take a few months for sellers to be able to kind of reset that expectation. Um, you know, say, okay, well, the best time to sell was yesterday, unfortunately, and now I'm just going to have to work with what I can get. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right, so that's uh, that's enough on clearance rate, I think. Um, any other? data sets, any other metrics that you want to touch on? So there's only one other thing, and that, that is that in some markets, uh, you, you mentioned rents before, and again, rents are the forgotten cousin of, of uh, house prices, and we tend to focus on one cousin and not the other, but rents are what makes investing worthwhile, uh, or at least makes it achieve, you know, like it allows you to hold on. And um, I can speak personally as well as uh, I can see in the data that rents are going up a lot. But the interesting thing, at least in Sydney, is that unit rents are going up faster than house price rent, and that's something that's new. Um, in the other capitals, like Brisbane, for example, house price rent is going up a lot faster than unit rent. Mm. But uh, in Sydney, it's the other way around, although they're both going up. And um, it's also true for Melbourne. So if, if we take Melbourne as an example, unit rent unit rents are going up at 12% and house rents are going up just under 6%. So in in Melbourne, units are going up, unit rents are going up at double the rate of house rents. So this is a, a reversal of what we saw last year. Um, and it's again, it's like a pendulum. So we're seeing immigration tick up, we're seeing students come back and all that sort of stuff. That's not fully in the data, but as a leading indicator, we can see that rents are, rents are spiking. So um, watch, watch rents. I think rents are a very good way to assess um in a very blunt way what is the demand for housing right now because it'll show up in rents first yep. and um yeah we're seeing very high demand for housing in general right yeah, yeah so and i think that's also to do with the type of dwellings um like you like you mentioned houses for brisbane units in sydney and melbourne yeah. and most of these units in sydney and melbourne are located close to cbd um as you can imagine you know foreign students and immigrants come in they obviously want to live close to work which mm. typically are still in cbd so therefore they would fight very hard in order to get a rental place that's close so you know that that would that's my interpretation in terms of why the Sydney rents for units are going up a lot faster in comparison to houses. I mean, there's still demand in terms of people wanting to live in a house, but mm. due to these uh, external immigrants coming in, uh, there's a short influx of a, a push, a push in the moment. Yeah. And I've been hearing a story that's very, very difficult to get units um, in those inner CBD areas now, yeah. like there's just so much competition, and you know you'll be lining up. Like you know how last year when we when when people were looking at inspections during FOMO, they have to line up. Now it's actually the opposite. It's actually rentals. When they look at rentals, they need to line up, and there's a big lines out there. You start walking yeah. by, you go, oh, what's going on, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, like it's it's so interesting. But guys, it's it's important to remember that that is all housing demand. Yeah. So th th we're not in this uh, kind of Mad Max world where the, everything is going to uh, the the um, the dog. Uh, there's housing demand and that pendulum will turn into buyer demand at some stage we just don't know when that is but um very interesting i want to ask you a question um we were yeah. chatting yesterday about uh what you're seeing in terms of uh the the rates of fixed mortgages i think uh, three years or maybe you could talk to it but you're seeing you're yeah. seeing 
uh, interest rates for fixed mortgages starting to come down, which is Correct. very interesting. Yeah, I gotta say that's something that just uh, that just being released earlier this week. We're starting to see some lenders like uh, Macquarie was the first one. They started dropping their uh, their, their owner occupier fixed rates. Now uh, I think it was three year fixed rate um, down to about five percent or high fours. Um, Virgin Money and Bank of Queensland is is the next one that I can recall also followed aggressively. Now they're looking at basically all their um, their, their fixed rates to be around the high fours essentially. So and that's what their advertised campaign is two years to five years so anything between two to five years at the moment uh, as long as eligibility criteria applies you can actually can literally get a five years own occupier fixed rate for 4.8 percent for example if for those people who mm-hmm. doesn't want uh any <laughs> who want some certainty around things and just a few months ago this is talk we're talking about six six to seven percent potentially right uh with these fixed rates so that is a big reduction and uh you know yeah absolutely we're chatting about yesterday and i was i was talking you know i was thinking what happens there um you know what's what's causing this because uh, fixed rates were 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 previously at all-time high um, from my understanding, it's the uh, it's basically the the funding costs have started to come down. There's been an ease of that. And John, I think you you mentioned also the longer term, the the bond yield trend is also reflecting that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, we talk about the ten year yield all the time as like my favorite macro indicator, which is which is so important. But the U.S. ten year yield is down at about two point six percent. So remember, about a month ago, it was at about three point three percent. Now, and that's a crash. Let me tell you, that is a, a big move down. So the ten year is is um, down at two point six percent or so, and that that's very very low. W- w- the reason why the fixed rates at the longer end are coming down is because we have an inverted yield curve, which is to say that to borrow for two years. Uh, just say the US government borrowed for two years, they'd be borrowing at, say, uh, 4%. But if they wanted to borrow for 10 years, they could borrow for 2.5%. And that is insane. Mm. What that means is the markets are predicting like a recession, essentially. They're saying that um, this inflation is probably going to be temporary or brief. Um, and it, it won't be cured by ultra productivity and all these new goods and services it'll be fixed by a recession um so it's it's ultimately <laughs> like it's quite bad but it is bringing rates down for and i thought that was very interesting but yeah look at the 10-year yield and it, it does tell you those sorts of stories yeah yeah i definitely missed the 10-year-old chats that you guys have that's for sure <laughs> so i thought it was a good opportunity to bring it back right <laughs> bring some economy to talk sense in terms of why these interest rates are showing the way they are but Look, um, yeah, so coming back to fixed rates, I do expect in the next few weeks and months, you know, more banks will follow uh, because of the cost of funding line is now starting to ease. So therefore, they can get money cheaply, as John pointed out, um, and therefore they can actually offer more attractive fixed rates. And that's where the short term to midterm, um, you know, to anywhere between two to five years potentially can come down a little bit. So, um, yeah, you never know. You never know, depending on how many more rate rises that RBA is still going to pull the trigger on the on the variable rates. Some people may want may consider that the uh, the fixed rates uh, could be again an option. Whereas three to six months ago, you'll you'll be looking at to say it you, it doesn't make any sense to be putting any money into fixed rates and the fixed rate commitments were at an all time low essentially. So. Mm. You, you know, fixed rates were all the rage like eighteen months ago, mm. and. In from what you can see, when do you think most people are going to be coming off their current fixed rates? Is it is it next year? Is it the year after? Is it this year? 
most of them would be looking at towards uh, the early 2023s or, you know, basically next year, I think there will be an influx of people coming out of the fixed rate loans. And and I think it actually has started to, to happen uh, because if we look at the... Um, the refinance uh, records uh, in for from the ABS. This is data released by ABS uh, for June. There's actually a high refinance records for owner occupier loans that was up about ten percent over June over the course of June. In other words, a lot of people are refinancing their owner occupier loans now. That may not necessarily suggest that the fixed rate have come off, but certainly because of the current increasing rate environment, people are starting to be aware that they want to shop around, they want to make sure they actually get the best rates for their own occupier loans. But look, you know, coming back to your question, yeah, uh, when when uh, when people got those uh, those cheap funding, long-term fixed rates, we're talking, most people probably got it about two to three years. So that was around the 2020 to 2021 mm. era. So if you, if you work on that basis, yeah, next year and the year after would likely to be the time they come off. And um, yeah, they'll need to be reviewing that, be prepared for uh, for a higher rate at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, they 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 raised rates by half a percent on the Tuesday that just passed, so mm. um, they're still in a. And I think the rhetoric was that that's not going to uh, stop anytime soon. Um, no, no. Although although I think they you know they 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 seem to be. They, I mean, I think that the actual term is saying um, there's no preset path at this point right. in time. They're just going to have to go with whatever the latest economy data that comes out, right? Um, but the general consensus is, as you would be aware with the economists right now, is they think that the the normal, the normalized interest rate will be anywhere between, say, 25 to 3% at this point mm. in time. So, yeah. yeah. I think, I, I, just, just I guess to put a ribbon on this, I think one of the reasons that we're hearing um, the, the US administration talk about redefining recession. They're kind of gaslighting us because they're saying, oh, no, 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 uh, it's not two quarters, two consecutive quarters of negative negative economic growth. It's um, it's just how you feel. Um, and they're doing that for a couple of reasons. The first one is obvious, it's politics because they've got midterms coming up. But I think the other reason why they're so keen for it to, to the current period to not be called a recession, even though technically and historically that's what we would call it, is because um, I think that they need to allow the Fed room to keep raising rates. And never in history have they raised rates into a, in a recession. Mm. They always cut rates in a recession. So if they don't call it a recession, they can continue to increase interest rates. And I think that might be the other uh, the other reason. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. No, very good. Um, look, I think just and just on a final note with finance as well, um, you know, I, I certainly think that while a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines at the moment, um, it would make sense to uh, get yourself prepared uh, in terms of what's to come in the next six to 12 months, you know, um, and a lot of people are essentially uh, just a tip for investors. A lot of people actually try to basically release a bit of equity at the moment just to make sure they got that line of funding when a good opportunity comes. Um, not everyone can at the moment, of course, but we just came off from a historical high valuation. Um, and uh, so most of the properties would have some equity. And as long as you're able to kind of tap it out, um, put it into the offset account, um, you know, you, you might, you'll be ready for potentially any kind of good opportunities that's to come in the next six to 12 months. So, you know, something to consider potentially. 
All right. Um, so that's pretty much a wrap for today. Uh, as always, um, none of this constitute of any investment or financial advice. Please do your own due diligence. And um, like we mentioned, don't forget uh, next week that we will have a deep chat into the property to gold ratio, which uh, John will uh, John will be piloting on that and give us some fascinating, fascinating stories about um, you know what these ratios mean and how does it work with with gold. So. Um, Make sure you tune in next week and uh, until then, stay safe and uh, we will see you again in another episode of Spark Your Fire.